Take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14. So a couple of questions after uh, we, we joke about uh, snowpocalypse and snowmageddon and that each year, but this seemed to live up to the billing, right? And so uh, just some questions for us. How many in this room have been sledding somewhere over the last few days? Look at that. Barbara Drake, look at that hand. They go sledding there, Barbara. Oh, it's, it's, not, not, it's something other than your car. Maybe that's what I should have said, right? Sledding over the last few days. How many people here have eaten snow cream sometime? I mean, no other time of year do we go get rain and put some sugar in it and go with it, right? Um, uh, any, anybody here made soup? We've got some soups, all right. Anybody here ready for it to go? Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? I mean, kids are already out of school in Sumner County tomorrow, according to recent announcement. So that's happening. And so they get another day. Uh, and so we, we just, you know, my kids are out. It's, I feel like the, old, the uh, Christmas song, right? Uh, parents are ready for kids to go back to school, right? It's time. My wife is not because she goes back to school, but it's time for the snow to go and for us to get back. I had, uh, pandemic flashbacks this week and it wasn't that's not necessarily a good thing and so uh, I, I hope you've had a great time with it and we do we do have a lot of people watching online and uh, I, I want us today to focus on this idea of renewal as I began to think about what we're going to focus on today one of the things that I thought about were warning labels you ever read the warning labels on stuff you buy stuff you see um, see at the store or any place. For instance, uh, I saw a warning label on a chainsaw that said, do not attempt to stop the chain with your hands. It's like it's good advice, right? It's important. I would have not, never thought about that. Or a hairdryer had a warning label that said, do not use while sleeping. I don't know who's drying their hair while they're sleeping, but uh, on a box of rat poison, there was a warning that it has been found to cause cancer in laboratory mice. It's the point of poison is to kill it, and so that's there. Um, there was a microwave oven warning label that said, Do not use for drying your pets, um, which would be bad. And then a last one about a portable stroller. It had a sticker on the side that said, Remove child before folding up, which is important, right? Like warning labels sometimes are kind of silly. You also realize, one of the things that I always realize is if a warning label is there, it means somebody tried it, right? Like they had to put that there for legal reasons because somebody tried it. Well, we're going to talk today in Luke chapter 14 about God's warning label through Jesus about following him. We're in this series on renewal. And before we get too far into it, and we have several weeks left to talk through it, the last couple of weeks have been awesome as we've talked about renewing our lives, renewing our passion, renewing who we are in Christ, seeing that as individuals and as a church, asking God each week to build us, to, that unless the Lord builds the house, the builder builds in vain. But before we get too far into it, I want us today to just stop and think about the cost involved in renewal. Luke chapter 14 verse 28 says this, For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? 
Who? Starting to build a building project. And the, the point here is not the size of the tower, although there are those that say that this word means a, a magnificent, a, a uh, spectacle kind of tower. And says, who, when you're getting ready to build something, you're getting ready to do something, doesn't sit down and go, how much is that going to cost and can I pay it? When you're buying a house or a car or food at the grocery... Hopefully, for all of us, there's that moment of calculation of, if I buy this, can I afford it? Now, truthfully, Americans have gotten really bad at that. Because we think we can afford anything, we just put it on credits. But he's saying that what you have to do is you have to evaluate it. Now, we're going to talk in a moment about the bigger context of this particular question. But just to let you know on the front end, he is talking about here people that are wanting to follow him. And he's saying before you jump in, make sure you understand the cost. And before we continue down the path of pursuing renewal in our lives, revival in our lives, a new and fresh work of the Lord in our lives, we must first stop and say, okay, what's that going to cost us? And I fear that we in America in general, and particularly in the South, and perhaps even more strongly in Nashville, the buckle of the Bible belt have adopted a reduced version of Christianity that just is about embracing a certain set of beliefs, adopting a set of morals, and trying to live the best we can through religious practices. And even when we talk about renewal, even when we talk about revival, one of the things that we often talk about is, oh, what are the things I need to give up? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to add? What are the spiritual disciplines? I need to start reading my Bible more. I need to start praying more. I need to stop. And it's all about the actions we're doing. But we rarely, in the midst of that, talk about what it could cost us. I was thinking about this yesterday when something strange happened with me. Over the course of about... 30 minutes, I had a moment where I liked both Harbaugh coaches. And I don't like the Harbaugh coaches. To my Jim Harbaugh, the coach of Michigan, and John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens. And here's why. It's because I was watching things, scrolling through things, and I saw a couple of things they said. And one of them relates to what we're talking about. But the first one was Jim Harbaugh. This is Jim. Any Michigan fans in the room? Bob, are you a Michigan fan, Bobby? Oh, okay. Well, we'll give you a pass on that, all right? For the rest of us, we don't like Michigan, right? Boo. I mean, they do have a cool fight song, and they just won the national championship, but any of that. Anybody know where he's standing here, by the way? He's at the March for Life in Washington, D.C. Now, there's no other Power Five big-time college football coach that's standing at the March for Life in Washington, D.C. And while he was there, he literally said, we talk a lot about human rights. There are no human rights without the first right of being allowed to be alive. It's Sanctity of Life Week, and I was like, man, I don't like him as a coach. I didn't, and i kind of rooting for him now. I don't know how that happened. Then I was watching SportsCenter, that show that all of us get our religious understanding from, Right. I was watching SportsCenter, and they were talking about the interview with John Harbaugh before last night's game. And he said this is what he told his players. They put it up on the screen. 
You, I know you can't read that from where you are. It's from Sal Palantonio, the Philadelphia reporter. He said, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh's final message. It was simple. Do your best. Same advice you give your kids. And then he said this. We've been on a long obedience in one direction. That phrase is a quote from a guy named Eugene Peterson, who is what he described discipleship as. A long journey in one direction. Eugene Peterson said about us as believers in America, about Christianity in America, that we have had this regrettable aspect of our culture that we assume that anything worthwhile can be acquired immediately. And that following Jesus is a journey. It's a process. It is a long obedience in one direction. And he said, and I love this, that what has happened in America is we have developed a tourist mindset for following Jesus. We like to pop in, have a little fun, and then go back to the rest of our lives. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus sets out the warning label for what it means to truly follow him. See, for Jesus, becoming a follower was something so radical, so total, that by comparison, every other commitment is a distant second. It is the opposite of easy discipleship. Now, I want to be very clear before we jump into this. What we're going to talk about today in our work, and our effort, is not about gaining salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? So this isn't about Jesus saving us. There is nothing that we can do to earn salvation from the Lord. And yet, Scripture makes it very clear that once we have been saved, our lives ought to be, should be, has no other way to be, but it is completely devoted to the one who rescued us. And what that looks like in our lives is the question of Luke chapter 14. And so the question is, are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to suffer the cost? Chapter 14, starting in verse 25. Now great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. There are three places in this passage, you can hear them just even as I read it, where he says, if you don't do this, you cannot be my disciple. And the point he's having them to understand is they need to understand the cost of what they're going into. Just to kind of set the scene of where we are in Jesus' ministry, Jesus is extremely popular. 
He is not an overnight sensation. It has been building and building and building. But the crowds are getting larger and larger and larger. And as Jesus does, for instance, in John chapter 6 and here in Luke 14, as the crowds get larger, as the crowds get larger, he will do something, in an old farmer's term, to thin the herd. He'll do something to kind of whittle away at those that are not serious about their faith in him. And in this passage, he says, I want you to count the cost. And these are three things that are going to be required of you if you're going to be a follower of me. And for us, in this context, in this moment, when we think about renewal, when we think about a new relationship with the Lord, when we think about a relationship with the Lord that is rich and vibrant and good, and that is, is something that we desire for ourselves and our church, when we are seeking the Lord, three things that renewal requires. And the first is that renewal requires superior love. When he starts this off, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Is there a particular word that stands out to you in that, in that verse? Hate, right? I mean, I, I, we would understand it if he said, hey, If you put these people above me, that's one thing. Or no one can come to me if you're idolizing your family. But that's not what it says here in the scripture, right? He says, if you come to me and you don't hate your family, you cannot be my disciple. So the question becomes, what in the world is he talking about? Let me tell you the first thing that we're not going to do today, which is the thing that all of us want to do today, and the thing that we would be tempted to do today, and that is to say that, 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 well, maybe we just misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. And we want to weaken the calling that he puts on our lives. And we say, that's not what he really meant. What he really meant was this. I think Jesus knew what he was saying, amen? And so the question is, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? look like over Matthew chapter 22 it gives us a little bit of a glimpse of this one of the teachers of the law experts in the law comes to him and he says what is the greatest commandment right you know the answer to this right the greatest commandment is to what love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your strength and the second is like it unto it and that's where we get what love your neighbor as yourself and here's what's interesting about that particular interaction when he says love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your strength all your mind there's the word in there that we talk about a lot here at the church it's the word all it doesn't say hey figure out the percentage to give to the lord and then give the other part of that to others it doesn't say hey love the lord your god with about 70 percent of your heart with about 70% of your affections, about 70% of your strength, and then with the other 30%, love your neighbor as yourself. It says what? Love the Lord your God with all. And you all know this, right? All means all. And so what it's saying there is that our first and ultimate priority is that we have to love the Lord more than anything else, and that our love of the Lord ought to be so great that the rest of our loves look like they are not even in the same atmosphere. 
By the way, the word hate in the original language does mean something just a little bit different than the way we read it. The word hate here means, it was a word that was used in the original language, that when given a choice between two things, which will you choose and which will you discard? And so ultimately what Jesus is saying here is, if you have to choose between me and your family, what are you choosing? If you have to choose between me and your closest relationships on this earth, what are you choosing? And if you choose something other than me, you cannot be my disciple. I read this week about a great Christian of many years ago, a guy named John Bunyan. John Bunyan was a guy that uh, wrote Pilgrim's Progress, which is considered a Christian classic. And John Bunyan was a guy that was preaching the gospel, and because he was preaching the gospel, he was told to stop, and that if he didn't stop, he would be put in jail. And he didn't stop, and so he was put in jail. And he left behind at his house a wife and children, including a child that was blind. And in jail, this is what he wrote. The parting with my wife and poor children has often been to me in this place as the pulling of flesh from my bones. And not only because I am fond of these great mercies talking about his family and his children, but also because I have been often brought to my mind the many hardships, miseries, and wants that my poor family is likely to be meeting with, especially my poor blind child who lay nearer to my heart than all I have besides. Oh, the thought of the hardship I have thought my blind one might go under would break my heart to pieces. He says, I'm standing, I'm sitting in this, this jail cell, and it's not just that I'm apart from them, I'm thinking about what they're having to go through because I'm here. Then Bunyan says, But yet, I must venture all with God. Oh, I've seen in this condition, I am like a man pulling down his house upon his head of his wife and children. Yet, though I must do it, I must follow Christ. Jesus said, Unless you hate your family, you can't be a follower of mine. Renewal requires unbelievable, superior love. The second thing we see in this passage is that renewal requires sacrificial living. The second thing we see here is not only does he say, that if you have to hate your brothers and your sisters, but he says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We have been inoculated. We have been weakened in our understanding of the cross. My guess is many people in this room right now have a cross somewhere, either wearing a cross you have something in your Bible that's a cross. You're familiar with the cross. We have a cross in this sanctuary. And having it around us all the time prevents us from understanding the scandal of the cross. And so, for instance, even today, sometimes we'll talk about, that's just my cross to bear. And usually when we say something like, man, that's just my cross to bear, we're talking about a particular hardship or a difficult or an illness. 
I was diagnosed, most of you know this, when I was 12 years old with type 1 diabetes. And I've talked with people that have diabetes. And I think I've probably even uttered it sometime. That's just my cross to bear. And here's the reality. Somebody living in the time of Jesus would never thought of the cross as something as simple as just a little illness. Because in that day and time when Jesus says that unless you're willing to pick up your cross, the only people that picked up cross were criminals condemned to death. And so when he's saying to them, you have to be willing to give up everything you have and live sacrificially. You must be dead to yourself, your desires, your wants, your hopes. You must kill selfishness within you and follow me. That this is not about us. This is not about you. This is about the Lord. And if we want renewal in our lives, it means that we have to be willing to sacrifice everything that we want or desire. One of the tragedies of the modern American church is we have allowed preferences and slights and things that upset us and our own desires and wants to break the fellowship with other believers that have other desires than we have. Other preferences than we have have other thoughts than we have, other focuses than we have, other priorities than we have. The question is, what are we willing to sacrifice? Many of us, if we're honest in this room, would love to have the benefits of following Jesus without the difficulties that he prophesied that we would endure. What are we willing to suffer for him? You've probably heard of a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is him. You can maybe tell by the name Dietrich that he was a German. He was a German that lived during the early 1900s into the 1940s. And for those of us that weren't around in that time, there was a little war that went on during that time. And when you lived in Germany in the midst of that war, your leader became a guy named Adolf Hitler. Hitler controlled lots of things in the country, including what people could say and do in church. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a man who started a church as part of what he started. It was a reaction to and a criticism of Hitler. He was arrested for speaking out the gospel of Jesus Christ in Germany, put in a camp because he blasted them for their killing of the Jews and for other measures. Bonhoeffer actually is linked to an assassination attempt on Hitler's life and was killed just days before Germany was defeated. Bonhoeffer wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and throughout it he talked about the difference between cheap grace and costly grace. And that we live in a world, this is him in the 40s in Germany, where we want cheap grace, grace that comes to us free as it does, but requires nothing of us on the back end after salvation. For instance, he would say cheap grace is calling for forgiveness without repentance or asking for forgiveness without repentance. And the one quote that resonates so strongly from his life and from that book is simply this quote. When Christ calls a man... He bids him come and die. What are you willing to sacrifice 
for the renewal of your soul. Last thing and then we're done. Renewal requires complete surrender. Now he goes through these two examples, one that we talked about at the beginning about calculating the cost. And the idea is you don't build a tower before you realize how much it's going to cost. You don't go to war before you realize whether you have enough troops to go to war or not. He said that's what people do. You don't have to be a king to understand that. It's like, okay, what do I have? Do I have the resources there? Then verse 33 he says, In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Renewal requires complete surrender willing to give up absolutely everything willing to give up our lives our passions our dreams our families our houses our cars our cell phones our stuff our investments our security willing to give it all up for following him renewal will require us to come to the lord with open hands and everything on the table. Another way to say that we've talked about years ago is it's literally signing your name to a blank check and saying, Lord, take whatever you want. So the question becomes, is it worth it? Is the cost that's going to come worth it? Because we didn't even talk about today, and we could, and we may in the next few weeks, that when God begins to do renewal, when God begins to renew your life, when God begins to renew our church, one of the first things that's going to happen is the enemy's not going to be happy about that at all. Spiritual warfare is going to happen. Spiritual attack is going to happen. We have to be ready and willing to endure that. We've got to be willing to do and to go through whatever it is that comes our way because the Lord is working in our lives. We have to be willing to understand that relationships may be broken if we follow the Lord, to understand that careers may be changed, to understand that the things of this earth may pass away or have things ripped away from us in order to follow in and be with the Lord. And as difficult as that is, the question becomes, is it worth it? Spoiler alert, it is. Absolutely. Always. Always. Because here's the thing, Jesus didn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do for us. Superior love? Are you kidding? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus came for us. What is superior love? There is no greater love than to lay your life down for a brother. It says in Scripture that He, while we were still far from Him, came and lived and died for us. He loved us yet while we were sinners. And even a good man sometimes would not give their life for somebody that's good. But He gave His life for those of us that were His enemies. Superior love? Absolutely. Ultimate sacrifice? Yes. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but became a servant, became obedient even to death on a cross for you and for me. He gave his life ultimately for us. He gave up his throne, came and lived on our earth for 30 plus years, and then gave his life and died for us. And completely loyal, completely true, will never, ever Betray you, disappoint you, or hurt you. I started getting text messages last night from someone on our staff named Noah. 
Apparently, Kentucky has a 7-2 guy that's the greatest basketball player that's ever played. Played his first game yesterday. And Noah just starts sending me texts about how great Kentucky is and how wonderful they are. And I'm remembering the counseling sessions I've had with Noah the last two years when Kentucky's lost early in the NCAA tournament. Right? Was that fair, Noah? Okay. And he says, we're back this is the greatest guy ever. Anybody, anybody see the Facebook video that Hannah posted of Noah yeah, jumping around? Yeah. I couldn't get it on the screen yet today. Noah, what did I text back to you? You're just getting your hopes up to be inevitably crushed again come tournament time. Right? Because things of this earth break our hearts. And everything on this earth that we put our trust in will break our hearts. Jesus will not. Ever. So is it worth it? Absolutely. You cannot give up more than he has already given up for you. You cannot find someone that will do more for you than he will do for you. And you can't find anyone that will promise you a life that you can't even imagine Beyond the reality of what we know now. Only Jesus is worth it. And so when he asks us for complete devotion, complete surrender, complete sacrificial living, he has earned the right to ask because he has done it for us. And only he can save us. And here's what I want to tell you. If you're here today and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ... Anything else you put your trust in will fail. Even if you have the greatest spouse in the world, one of you eventually is going to die. If you have the greatest business in the world, eventually it's going to go away. If you have the greatest material possessions, when you pass away, they are not putting your house in your grave. Only Jesus can give you ultimate purpose, ultimate love, ultimate life. Only Jesus saves. And so I ask you, if you're here today, you're not a believer, you're watching online, you're not a believer. What is preventing you from following? Yes, count the cost. Know that it may cost you some things to follow Jesus. But understand that the gift of free life is available for you. Eternal free life is available. Because he loved you so much. And church, I think sometimes if we would stop to think about the things that cause us to stumble in our walk with Jesus and how insignificant they are, if we were honest with ourselves, we would weep with the knowledge that we let that get in the way of Jesus. As good as things may be, anything that prevents us from following him completely has to be pushed out of the way for Him. Now here's the thing about our families and about our careers and about our lives. Here's the thing that Jesus does promise is that when we put Him first, when we seek Him first, He'll take care of the rest. To be the best dad that I can be for my family, I need to be locked into Jesus. 
To be the best husband I can be for Susan, I need to be locked into Jesus. To be the best pastor that I can be for this church, I need to be locked into Jesus. To be the best community member of Goodlettsville where I live, i got to be locked into Jesus. And if I'm doing that, the other things will take care of themselves. Maybe not in the way I think, and I may lose some things that I like. But they're insignificant compared to Him. So my question for you today is, are you willing to count the cost and go all in? Jesus was giving these people an ultimatum. It's interesting because here he's talking specifically to believers, those that are in the circle and those outside the circle. In the very next chapter, anybody know what comes after Luke 14? I know some of you say Luke 15. Great job. What's Luke 15? Anybody know? Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. This is in the part where he's saying, this is the love that God has for you. Why would you waste it on something else? So my question to you today is, are you willing to pay the price? I'm going to be down front. I'll be standing here. If you need to make a first time commitment to the Lord, you need to follow the Lord in baptism. You want to join this church or you just need to come and pray. You just need to come and ask the Lord to show you those things in your life that you're putting ahead of him then this is open. I'll be down here. Noah will be down. We'd love to talk to you. You can come just pray here. If you're online at home, Scripture talks about an altar all the time. An altar is just a place where you set aside to meet with God. And maybe in your living room right now, in your family room, your dining room, wherever you're watching this, you just want to spend some time with the Lord. Asking Him to help you see the cost and giving you the strength to say yes. Heavenly Father, we pray in this moment that you would remind us of the importance of following you and what that looks like, what that cost, and the benefits of doing it. We pray, Lord, more than anything, that we would see those things in our lives that we need to get rid of or to remove in order to be renewed, and we would just simply say yes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.